0: You're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Hello, everyone. Each week, we cover pressing topics that matter to you and your business. I'm Ariana Gonzalez from Chook, Attorneys and CPAs tuning in from our San Diego office. Please join me in welcoming CPAs Barshika Gupta and Rajesh Gemeyer from our Santa Clara, California office. Hi there, Barshika and Rajesh, and welcome.
1: Hi, Ariana. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thank you for being here. So for today's topic, we're going to be talking about PFIC, FBAR, and 8938 reporting. Just a quick disclaimer for everyone who's tuning in, this conversation is for informational purposes only. It does not create an accountant-client relationship, so please email us your questions at info so we can help you out. Now let's get right into it. Can one of you tell me what is PFIC and what companies are PFIC?
2: So you know, PFIC is, uh, the, it stands for the passive foreign investment company. So you can say that it is a foreign company whose income is mainly from the passive source. So they don't have any income from the business income. So as per the IRS, there are two ways to test that. One is the you know, income test and other is the asset test. So if uh, in, in income test, if there is a more than 75% of in gross income is more than the passive sources, then it will be said to be the income test is passed, and that is the PFIC. Okay. And either or or so if there is asset test that more than 50% of the gross assets are more than those assets that is used for uh, generating the passive income. Then those are called the PIFIC companies. So PFICs, have two tests: one is asset and one is the income test. So if you criteria if you fulfill any of the criteria, then that would come into the PFIC rate and you have to report accordingly.
0: Wow, that's really good to know. So is PFIC income taxable? Or or do we have to know anything about that?
2: Yeah, obviously PFIC is taxable. And there's no limit that, okay, you have if this much of the PFIC income is there, they're not taxable. There's no such limit. So if you have invested in any of the PFIC companies, uh, then that will be tax uh, tax accordingly. That, how about it? will depend on how, which election you are making, how you are going to give the tax. But yeah, it will be obviously tax, and there is no limit for the, that income.
0: Wow. Okay. So how can I avoid PFIC status?
2: PFIC status, uh, you can avoid only if you are not investing on those companies. So if uh, so before you are investing in any foreign investment, you have to just have to know that whether the company is criteria, that asset test and income test, is it fulfilled or not? If that is fulfilled and if that is the PFIC status, then you can't avoid. So only way out is to not to invest in those company where PFIC is applicable. So you have to avoid those investment mainly.
0: Okay, that's really helpful to know. So what is the time limit for PFIC reporting?
2: Specific reporting days though that we used to report when they're out, like for individual, we have different deadline, text deadline. So at the that, that same t- timeline, we have to file separate forms, form 8621 for the income purpose. And for the outstanding balance, like we have FBAR and 8938, uh, other forms are there for the balance outstanding. But for the income purpose, we have to report all those income in form 8621. And that would be filed at the time of normal, if you are filing as an individual, then... Like April 15 is the deadline and for other, uh, like corporate also April 15, if not extended. So it will, it will go with the same return. You shouldn't file separate uh, form, but it will go with your own return.
0: Wow, that's all really great information. Now, a very important question. How much is PFIC tax?
2: PFIC tax, uh, there is no separate tax like uh, for the PFIC, but yeah, uh, it will. Be, it, it depends on the criteria what you are selecting, which method you are selecting, it, and it depends on your holding grade and everything. It may be taxed at the capital gain or excess distribution, it may depend. So uh, it may be taxed at the higher tax rate that is applicable in the previous year if you follow excess distribution method. So that depends on the criteria and the welding period and everything that. So there is no specific tax that, okay, if the pific income is this much, then this will be taxed. There is no that much, but like that, but you have separate how it is taxed, how you, what criteria you are fulfilling and what you have select the election? Depends on that pific tax.
0: That's good to know. If you guys are watching this and have any questions about this, about this, definitely send us an email at info at com so we can help you out. So what are the PFIC statements used for? Can you share that with us?
2: PFIC, as I already mentioned, that uh, first PFIC statement at 8621, when we used to report the income. And others are for the balances. Yeah, how much? That depends on the limit. That like some have like more than ten thousand K. If then it will be the bar And like at nine three eight. So these are other. For the income purpose, you have to report all those income in form eight six two one.
0: I see. Can you talk about what the tax options are for PFIC?
2: Tax option for the.
0: The tax options for PFIC. Yeah,
2: the options are that uh, like uh, one is the mark to market option. Second is the excess distribution, and the third one is the qualified electric fund. So you can select any one of them, but yeah, if mark-to-market you are selecting, then that should be a marketable securities. so that depends on criteria. So there are mainly three criteria where you would be uh, taking the election and give tax accordingly.
0: Okay, so what are the rules for PFIC income reporting?
2: Rules for, yeah, as i mentioned that, uh, PFIC income reporting, the the rules are same, that uh, you have to give the tax, okay, if there is an income, there is no limit. And certainly, uh, if like you are falling, whatever the election you are doing, based on that, like if you are falling mark to market, then you have to give tax annually. And for QEF also, qualified electric fund also, you have to give annually. And if you are doing excess distribution, uh, matter then that depends. Whenever the actual uh, you have sold the asset or whenever there is actual distribution, then at that time you have to pay the taxes.
0: Got it. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Can you cover what is mark to market election?
2: Yes, yeah. Sure. So mark to market election is like uh, you have to just go whatever the fair value as and that. Like if you are following December year end, then you have to see at that December year end what is your value of your investment. So you have invested in the mid of the year and at the year in like uh, earlier, you have invested $100 and it reached to $120. So that you have to reach to $120 and you have to pay tax on that $20. So whatever the market value is there and that day, you have to go, go on paying tax on those in annual basis. So, and losses also you can take, but losses are restricted to the prior year gain, so you can't go more than the whatever losses you have already, whatever gain you have already claimed, you can't claim more than that loss, but yeah, so whatever the market value is there, you have to just mark your investment to that value and pay the tax. So this is annually, and usually people used to follow this one, if their securities are marketable.
0: Wow, that's all really great information. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Can you cover what is Qualified Electing Fund Election and what is the PFIC Annual inform- Information Statement?
2: So Qualified Electing Fund is one of the election criteria. If uh, somebody can't do mark-to-market, then uh, and it, they can do this one also. But the you have to take this uh, this annual information from the pfi company, if they are providing this you the this statement of the annual financial information, so then you can uh, use this QEF. Okay, in that statement you in that you will include uh, like whatever the income, whatever the expenses, gain that all details are there. But every uh, PFI company will not provide you that. So that depends on their policies of the PFI companies and the, whatever the procedure they are followed. So if they are giving, they are, then this also annual reporting. Uh, annually you can report whatever the income or expense are gained that is reported in those statement. You can report that in your uh, your regular normal income tax and pay tax annually. Like it is market, macro market, market also, it is going to add whatever the value as the year in. And in this QEF, you will get actual income expenses proportionate to your investment. So you can report that in your tax return and pay the taxes. So it is also annually filed. But uh, the issue is that the every company may not give you that statement. So that depends on uh, the company, PFIC companies that is where you have invested. So you have to be clear careful that whether while selecting the election that whether they will be giving this statement or not.
0: Wonderful. That's really important information. I appreciate you answering all our pressing questions on PFIG. Um one more question on this topic. Can you touch on excess distribution?
2: yeah so in out of the three election one excess distribution is a little bit challenging and complex one so excess distribution means any uh, gain uh, you any distribution if you get any gain okay realized from the sale of the PFIC or any actual distribution is there then that gain is compared with the last three years average so if it is more than 125 percent then that will be called as excess distribution so in that excess distribution, you have to pay tax in the prior year as if that you have not paid tax on those prior years. Suppose you are holding like for two years, three years, and there was no distribution and nothing was there. And in the third year, you are fourth year, you are getting some distribution, then that are compared to the last previous year. So if there is no distribution, then that may be all be considered as excess distribution, and it will be taxed that in the prior year tax rate, higher tax rate. So. Like in the first year investment, if there is a the first distribution, then that may not be called as the excess distribution. But every first distribution is not the first year's one because like uh, you have invested in the first year and you have received distribution in the second year. Though that is your first distribution, but it is distributed in the second year. So it may be called as the excess distribution and you may be taxed with the higher tax rate bracket of the prior year. And even you have to pay the interest, like you have deferred the tax. Though you haven't done deferred, because basic concept is that uh, you will not pay tax on the growth and you will be paying tax only when it is distributed or you sold. But in excess distribution concept, what is done is that, that though you are not paying tax on growth, but whenever it is distributed or anything like that, then you have to pay tax like you haven't paid tax in the prior year and that is your fault. So you have to pay like interest and everything like that. So. That excess distribution is little bit uh, tricky and more uh, taxes and interest is to be calculated. So people generally follow mark to market, so they can be do yearly and whatever taxes they are, they can pay on yearly basis.
0: That sounds like it can get pretty complex. So I do appreciate you summarizing all of this for us. And if you guys do have questions about this and you're watching this, please email us at info at com. We'll connect you with Rajesh and he can help you out. Thank you so much, Rajesh. Let's move on to FBAR. Varshika, um, can you share with us what is the meaning and purpose of FBAR?
1: Sure, Ariana. Thank you. So, FBAR refers to Form 114, which is a report of foreign bank and financial account, which is electronically filed with the Department with the Financial Crimes and Enforcement Network, which is commonly called as FINCEN, uh, a Bureau of Treasury Department. Uh, The purpose of FBAR is that a US person maintain overseas financial accounts for a variety of legitimate reasons, including convenience and access. Uh, Now, the foreign financial institutions uh, are not subject to the same reporting requirements as the domestic financial institutions. The FBAR therefore is used by the US government to identify persons who may be using foreign financial accounts to circumvent the US law. Uh, The information reported on FBAR uh, can help identify the government uh, help identify or trace funds used for illicit purposes or identify unreported income. Which is generated abroad or maintained abroad by uh, the u.s person
0: wow thank you for sharing that that's all really great information so who is required to file fbar or who must file fbar
1: any u.s person including a citizen a resident or a, a corporate partnership trust estate that has a financial interest in or a, a signature authority <coughs> of a, over a foreign financial account must file an F bar uh, if the aggregate value of that foreign financial account exceeds $10,000 during uh, the calendar year. Now, the question you would ask that, uh, what is a foreign financial account? So generally an account is, uh, for uh, generally an account uh, at a financial institution located outside the US is a foreign financial account. It could be a bank account like a savings accounts or a checking account, or it could be a securities account or it could be um, an or insurance policies with a cash value or a mutual fund or investment in a provident fund or a public provident fund however it is important to note that uh, uh, whether an account produces a taxable income or not for FPAR purposes that's not a criteria to determine whether the account is a foreign financial account
0: That's really great information. I appreciate you going through all of that with us. And, you know, what is the the foreign financial account? Who needs to file FBAR? So when and how are we supposed to file the FBAR? Can you share that with us?
1: Sure. So FBAR is filed electronically through FinCEN and not with the IRS. The due date is uh, April 15th following the calendar year reported uh, with an automatic extension until October 15th however for some reason if a person wants to paper file the f bar uh the form 114 uh, he she can uh make a, a call or request the FinCEN through uh and request for an exemption from e-filing
0: that's great to know so you said they mm-hmm. have between april and october to that is correct mm-hmm. and what is the f bar limit
1: so like i had mentioned before the maximum value of a foreign financial account is what is required to be reported uh the uh if uh, the maximum value does not during the year the account value does not exceed ten thousand dollars then the 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 reporting of f is not required
0: got it so for the maximum account value of a foreign financial account did you say that's ten thousand or is there um a maximum account and how is that determined
1: yeah so the maximum value is what we need to report but the reporting requirement triggers only if the account value is more than ten thousand and the maximum value is calculated according to a periodic statement. It could be like a bank statement. And uh, so th- the value is first determined in the local foreign currency, which is then converted to USD using the exchange rate at the end of the calendar year.
0: Thank you. That's really great to know. So what information is actually reported on Form 114 for the FBAR? Can you give us some insight on that?
1: Sure. So, for each account reported on FBAR, following information is generally reported. Uh, it is the name on the account, the account number, the name and address of the foreign bank, uh, the maximum value, which is uh, the most important, and the type of account.
0: Thank you. That's really good to know. So, it, are there any exceptions to filing FBAR? If there are, what are the exceptions? Can you yeah,
1: share? Sure. So there could be scenarios where the uh, the F bar is not may not be required to be filed. Uh, some of the situations could be uh, where by a U.S. person that is an entity named in a consolidated F bar um, filed by a greater than fifty percent owner. In cases where the uh, joint account foreign financial accounts uh, held by spouses together, and one of the fi- uh, spouses filing all the foreign financial accounts jointly held by them in his or her F bar. Uh, in case of individual requirement, retirement accounts or 401k retirement accounts, uh, the owners and beneficiary an owner or beneficiary uh, located in the US. Uh, has uh, doesn't has not doesn't need to report a foreign financial account held by or on behalf of a uh, foreign investment made by the IRA or a foreign uh, or, or a 401k account. So these are few okay. of the exceptions uh, of not filing FBAR.
0: Okay, so there are a few exceptions. So if you guys are watching this and wondering if you are part of that exception, definitely reach out to us and we can connect you to Barshika, and she can help you out. So one more question on this topic for you, Barshika: what are the FBAR
1: penalties
0: for non-filing, if there are any?
1: There are huge penalties for the non-compliance. For each non-willful failure by a U.S. person to timely file or accurately disclose, the penalty is $10,000. However, if the, fail, uh, like if the non-compliance is willful, uh, the penalty could be as high as greater of $100,000 or 50% of the highest of the maximum amount in the uh, uh, foreign financial account maintained abroad.
0: That's quite a large penalty. (laughs) Make sure you guys are filing if you do qualify for this. And if you have questions, reach out to us. We're happy to help you guys out. Thank you so much for covering all those those questions on the F-bar, Rashika. Let's move on to 8938 reporting. Mm -hmm. So can you share with us what is the meaning and purpose of 8938?
1: Sure, certainly. So certain U.S. taxpayers holding specified foreign financial assets exceeding certain threshold, they are required to report the maximum value of that foreign financial asset uh, by filing form 8938 and that form is attached to your tax return and is filed with the IRS.
0: So you were mentioning um, a little bit about the form, who exactly has to file this form?
1: So, uh, specified individuals, uh, including uh, citizens, a- residents, or certain non-residents, as well as domestic entities, could be corporations, partnership, trust, or uh, estates that have an interest in a specified foreign financial asset, and who meet the reporting threshold, they are required to file Form eight nine three eight with the IRS. Uh, However, what is important here to note is the filing of Form 8938 is different from filing of Form 114, which is filed with FinCEN, and Form 8938 is filed with the IRS.
0: Okay, that's really important to know. So which foreign assets should be reported on this Form 8938? Can you share that with us?
1: Yeah, so specified foreign financial asset could be a financial account maintained uh, at a financial institution abroad, like a bank account, or a foreign financial account held for investment could be stocks or securities or any interest in foreign entity, or it could be any financial instrument or a contract that has an issuer or a counterparty that is not located in the US.
0: That's really helpful. I appreciate you covering that for us. So when and how are we supposed to file Form 8938?
1: Yes. So, Form Eight, like I mentioned before, Form 8938 is required to be e-filed along with a tax return. Uh, you can paper file it if there, for some reason, uh, the tax return is getting a, a paper filed.
0: Great. And what is the threshold limit for eight nine three eight?
1: So, reporting threshold limit is different for individuals and for entities. And in the individuals, also it depends on whether the individual is living in the US or outside the US, and what is the filing status of uh, the individual filing the tax return. So, for an individual living in the US. And uh, filing a single return or a married filing separate return, the uh, limit is the value of foreign. If the value of foreign financial assets is greater than fifty thousand dollar at the end of the tax year, or seventy five thousand dollar at any time during the year, then the Form eight nine three eight filing requirement triggers. Similarly, if the individual living in the U.S. Uh, and filing a joint return, the limit is hundred thousand dollar at the end of tax year and hundred and fifty thousand dollar at any time during the year. Now for individuals living outside the US filing a single return or unmarried return, the limit is $200,000 at the end of tax year and $300,000 at any time during the year. And for a joint return for individuals living outside the US, the limit is $400,000 at the end of tax year and $600,000 at any time during the calendar year. However, the limit for the entities, corporations or partnerships, etc. The limit is $50,000 at the end of tax year and $75,000 at any time during the calendar year. So, if the asset value exceeds uh, uh, the foreign asset value, exceeds any of the limit, then a taxpayer is required to file this form 8938 with
0: the IRS. Great. So, the threshold limit does vary. So, make sure you guys are checking, make sure you're looking at the right numbers. And if you have questions, of course, reach out to us at infotube.com. So what is the reporting period and how is the maximum value determined for the Mm 8938?
1: So unless an exception applies, the reporting period typically is the tax year uh, for which we are filing the tax return. And uh, in case of foreign financial assets, as per the 8938 instructions, the maximum value is calculated. It could be the FMV. Uh, Like F bond. the uh, value is first determined in local currency. The, uh, that value is then, converted to USC using the exchange rate at the end of the tax year and not calendar year which uh, which we use for FPAP.
0: Good to know end of tax year okay so um, what are the penalties the big question what are the penalties for non for non-filing of form 8938?
1: Yeah, so penalty for non-filing or non-compliance or filing of Form 8938 is $10,000 for any failure to file or filing uh, of incorrect Form 8938 by due date, including the extensions. So
0: make sure you guys are filing this form on time and getting all the help that you need if you do have questions on it because there is a large penalty as we were talking about earlier as well. So how is Form 8938 different from FBAR?
1: So like I had... Covered in my uh, discussion on eight nine three eight and part before, there are uh, quite a lot of differences between uh, uh, between filing form eight nine three eight and form eight uh, form one one four. The first and primary difference is the uh, organization to which these forms are submitted are absolutely different. Uh, form one one four is submitted through uh, FinCEN, and which is the Treasury Department, and form eight nine three eight is filed with the IRS. Then. Uh, who must file the form 8938 and 114. 8938 is required to be filed by individuals and domestic entities who have interest in specified foreign financial asset. Whereas form 114 is required to be filed by US persons who have financial interest in, or a signature authority over a foreign financial account. The reporting threshold like we had discussed is different for 114 and uh, 8938. Eight nine three eight has multiple limits based on the residency, based on the living status and filing uh, status and living uh, place of residency, and uh, F bar has a, a, a one limit of ten thousand uh, dollar. In case of eight nine three eight, the maximum value of a specified foreign financial asset is what is reported, and that maximum value is calculated based on the uh, eight nine three eight instructions. It, it is generally the FMV, and uh, uh, form one one four uses the periodic account, and the maximum value of for foreign financial account is what we report. Uh, the rate of conversion is different in both form one one four and eight nine three eight. Rate in case of form F, in case of form one one four, which is F bar we use the exchange rate at the end of calendar year. Whereas uh, in case of form eight nine three eight, we use the exchange rate, which is end of the taxable year. Uh, penalties in both eight nine three eight and form one one four are different. In case of like i had mentioned before in case of form 114 the penalty is for non-willful failure it is ten thousand dollars however the willful failure it is quite a lot uh and in case of uh 8, 9, 3, 3, 8, the penalty is up to ten thousand dollars an additional ten thousand for each 30 days of non-filing up to a maximum of sixty thousand dollars there is also a difference uh, certain amount uh, certain uh, differences in what we report on fin- uh form Eight Nine Three Eight and form 114 in case of a uh, uh, financial account held at a foreign branch of a U.S. financial institution, that is not required to be reported on Form 893 whereas it is required to be reported on Form 114. Similarly, reporting of any foreign stock or securities not held in a financial account is not required to be reported on uh, Form 114, whereas it is required to be reported on 893A. Uh, Reporting of any partnership interest is uh, what falls under 8938, but not under uh, form 114. Any indirect interest, however, in foreign financial assets through an entity uh, is required to be reported on uh, form 114 if the ownership, if there is ownership or beneficial interest, and there's no requirement to report on 8938. And reporting of foreign hedge funds and foreign private equity funds is what goes on Form 8938, but not on FBAR. So these are quite uh, a few differences between 8938 and uh, Form 114. I
0: appreciate you so perfectly lining those up for us and, and telling us the difference between all of them. That, that was really great comparison and great information about these forums. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Rajesh and Varshika, both of you for your time and insights on this. We are out of time. So that does bring us to the end of our conversation. Again, thank you so much, guys, for taking the time to share your insights and knowledge with us. Thank you, everyone who joined us today. To stay up to date, please subscribe and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please send us an email anytime at info at we would love to help you out and make sure to join us back here next week for more pressing topics that truly matter to you and your business until next time stay safe and take care thank thanks you so much that. everyone thank you
2: thanks a lot
1: Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chug.com for legal and immigration and www.chug.net for tax. Be
0: sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chug LLP team.